Hello, this is John Smallwood, Senior Wealth Advisor from Smallwood Wealth Management. Welcome to today's podcast. We are continuing on the conversation of the 19 sources of retirement income guide that we have available for download on our smallwoodassociates.com website. Today's topic is the use of a charitable remainder trust. And I kind of want to push in, this is not a detailed conversation into how you set up a charitable remainder trust, but this is a, this is a key notes of what you need to know about setting up a charitable remainder trust and more importantly, why you might want to do this. And I think we're at probably one of the most important points in my 30 year career is what we've seen a trend is that as interest rates fall, tax rates change, pandemics occur, oil embargo wars, the rebirth of the Cold War in essence, the amount of financial pressure that's, a, that's out there for people is off the charts. And assets continue to rise. For a lot of people, they, they're, they're weary of it, why it's, why it's rising. We're seeing you know, in essence, at the time that I'm recording this, close to $6 trillion of government infusion in, you know, $2 trillion in the CARES Act, additional add-ons to the CARES Act, the Fed buying bonds back. I mean, the total numbers are close to $6 trillion of government money, taxpayer money, really, right, going into the economy. At some point, it probably needs to be paid for in some form or fashion. The 2008, 2009, you know, quantitative easing all the way to 2000, November of 2014 still needs to be paid for. So there's a, when we talk about pressure, one of the greatest financial pressures is taxes. I had done a guide, I had done a video or a blog or YouTube post. It's a YouTube video that's actually posted there now on the history of the tax law. And taxes in 1918 were started as a temporary tax to refund the Spanish-American war debt. And if you read all the newspapers, when that debt was paid, uh, the, the headlines, when that debt was repaid, the tax would go away. When Social Security came out, it was tax-free. It wasn't taxed. Now 85% of it is taxed as ordinary income, depending upon your income limits. So taxes are constantly driving and pushing out of our wealth. When you look back at historical tax brackets, and this is really important, you, we have a concept now, which is ordinary income versus capital gain income versus and also qualified dividends. And what's interesting about those income, okay, that the current top current bracket is 37% for, for ordinary income, income that you earn, not, not including qualified business income, et cetera. But that's at six, six, anything over 622,000 married filing joint is taxed at 37%. Prior to this, it was 39.6. And what we also have is we have a different capital in this 2017 tax law, we have a different capital gain rate. And if your income is below 80,000, the capital gains are free. If they're between 80 and 496, you're actually paying 
Most people believe they're paying 20%, but the reality is for a large portion of the population, it's 15%. Anything over 496 is subject to 20% capital gain rate. Depending upon the property that you have when you sell it, let's say you have a, a rental property and you took depreciation all that time frame. When you sell the property, the depreciation is recaptured at a tax bracket of 25%. So that's actually, it's a little higher than the 20% or 15, but that depreciation recapture does get taxed at a higher rate. You get to write it off along the way, but later on you get it back. Prior to, I think it was the early 90s when, I forget the exact date on it, but when President Bush changed some of the tax laws, what he did is he he separated, and it might have been Clinton, I got to look back at my history on this, but in essence, this is the important spot. We raised the top bracket, but we kept the capital gain rate at a lower rate. So that was one of the first times that we saw a different capital gain rate than the ordinary income. 1986, the top ordinary income bracket was 50%, and so was the capital gain rate. So capital gains right now are at some of the lowest they've been in history. But as we move forward, we might see the capital gain rates go forward, go higher, get larger. So the idea is that when you're starting to, to build a long-term financial strategy, what we're trying to accomplish always in building on that long-term financial strategy is appreciation of assets. By real estate, it grows. By stocks, they grow. By, 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 you know, do those things so that they grow. And eventually I'm paying capital gain income, which is a heck of a lot better than paying ordinary income tax, right? So, but even in those current tax laws, people hate paying taxes, okay? So the concept of a charitable remainder trust potentially creates layers of tax benefits that allow you to do many things. And, and as I always talk about on these podcasts, my, my goal in the conversation is to get you to think strategically about where am I now, where am I going, and how do I provide myself with as many options as I can in the future? Because we don't know what's going to happen. And if we believe that we know what's gonna happen, then that's a dangerous recipe, I think, right? So the concept comes down to is, I don't know if I wanna benefit from a charitable remainder trust. I don't know if I wanna do that in my financial strategy. Tax law may, might make me wanna do that, but there are pros and cons to every decision that I make. And there's a lot of nuances on charitable remainder trust and this, conversation is not meant to be an exact dollar amount. It's not meant to be, it's going to work for you, you know, this way and, it, you know, set it and forget it. It's unique for the circumstances, it's unique for the property, it's unique for your age, it's unique for the type of property. So what I want to talk about is, so you have basically two core concepts, which I just want to get this over in a very clear and concise way. The goal is to boost income by utilization of a charitable remainder trust. So what happens is on the surface, 
money goes in. I take a highly appreciated asset that I own and I gift it to a charitable remainder trust. And that property gets sold at, in the trust. So there's no taxation on the property being sold. And then you're going to receive some sort of lifetime income. There's a charitable remainder annuity trust or a unit trust. The annuity trust is going to give you the same income, approximately 5% a year. The unit trust will fluctuate over time. You could do it for a fixed term, 10 years, 20 years, lifetime. It depends upon what you want to accomplish. So I put the money in the charitable remainder trust. The property gets sold. There's no tax. I begin to take income from that trust, which the income from the trust will be taxed as the nature of the income that it that it's earned inside the trust. So if the trust is invested in a certificate of deposit and it's, you know, it's all interest, that would be interest taxable to you. Okay. So this is something that there are rules or specific rules on what you can and can invest in. So you want to, I don't want to dive into this. I want you to get the concept. Okay. So the concept basically puts us in a position where the piece of property goes in, there's no tax. I'm now getting a lifetime income and I pass away. The remainder amount, what's left in the trust goes to the charity. My family receives nothing, which is kind of people go, Oh, I don't want to do that. I like the charity, but that's a lot of money. So one of the things that we continually talk about and you'll hear us talk about on, on other podcasts, is the concept of the living value of a life insurance death benefit. And we kind of look at the life insurance death benefit in a different light. There are many things that I can do in my strategy to increase my retirement income and still provide the inheritance to my family. And my father kind of put this in an interesting perspective years ago. And he said, let's just assume for a second that I'm worth a million dollars and I have a million dollars of life insurance. So my net worth is a million. But if I die today, the inheritance between the million dollars and the life insurance is now gonna be two million. So now I've given you twice my estate. I said, that sounds fantastic, <laughs> right? He goes, well, that's not the purpose of a good retirement plan. The purpose of a good retirement plan is for me to use some of these strategies that we've been talking about, such as, right, we've talked about in previous guides, reverse mortgages. We've talked about principal paydowns and annuities. And now we're talking about a charitable remainder trust, right? So if you have the life insurance as part of the plan that's permanent, it's paid for, it's here, let that be the the tool that allows you to unlock some of these assets. And there's a, there's a tremendous amount of benefit to this. Okay. And as we sit here and we look at the threat of rising taxes, I want to look at this in a strategic manner, right? So when we look at where we're putting our money currently for a lot of people, one of the most popular places is what's called a retirement plan, a 401k plan, an IRA, a SEP IRA, a solo K, you know, all those things that we talk about. And what we're doing is we're taking money from today's tax bracket and we're deferring it to the future. And we're going to pay tax at the future rate. If tax rates stay the same, I didn't really benefit. 
if tax rates go up, I'm actually behind the eight ball. The only way that I truly win on that strategy, if I took money from, let's say, a 39.6% tax bracket, and then I took it out years later at a 20% tax bracket, that is a win-win. Makes sense, right? But a lot of people, we're not in that, we're not in that mindset. We're not in that ability. We're actually, when you start looking at the house is paid for, the kids are gone, you know, we got salt deductions, we have all these things. There's not a lot of deductions. A lot of people are finding themselves in a higher tax bracket than they were when they were working. Okay. So I want you to think about this. I want you to visualize this for a second. Okay. I've got a highly appreciated stock or building or asset or something that I have that if I sell it, I'm going to pay capital gain rate of let's say 20%. I'm going to pay my state tax, which might be somewhere between five, you know, zero, depending on the state that you live in and 10%. could be higher in certain cases in certain states, right? And then I'm also going to pay the Medicare tax that over 250,000, I'm paying, what is it? 3.25 or something like that, an additional Medicare tax. So when you start looking at the math, you might be in a 30, 35% tax bracket. So you have, let's say you have this million dollar asset that's maybe not producing any income. Maybe it is, maybe not enough income. So I sell it, I pay tax, let's just say for purposes of conversation to keep the math flowing, I walk away with $700,000 after tax. Now I have to go put that to money, that money to work to make an investment. And let's say that I put it at something, I want to be safe, I want to be conservative, I put it at 4%. So now I'm going to get $28,000 worth of interest. And let's say that I'm in a 30% tax bracket. I'm walking away with about $20,000 after tax on that. It's really not that exciting. Okay. So what I want you to think about is in the structure that we're trying to get you to, to have the 19 sources of retirement income, we've got the life insurance in there and we've got the death benefit, right? So I want you to think strategically for a second, and this may or may not apply to you. So you have to check with your tax counsel. You have to check with your advisor. You have to check with everybody. Okay. To really get the skinny on this. We have some documents that we can do for you on this and have a, a, an analysis run for you, whether or not this makes sense. But the reality is if I take that million dollars worth of asset and I gift it to the charitable remainder trust, whether it be a CRUT or a CRAT, you know, a charitable remainder annuity trust or a CRUT, a charitable remainder unit trust and a couple different variations from there. Right in the moment when I make that million dollar gift, since I have a remainder minute, I have a life estate in it, let's just assume, I'm not gonna get a deduction for the million dollars to the charity, but I'm gonna get a deduction that's relatively significant. It could be somewhere between two and $500,000. You, know, you know, depending on age and a whole bunch of factors, but let's just say, that it's a $400,000 tax deduction. Now I have a $400,000 tax deduction and I've got a million dollars sitting in the charitable remainder trust that I'm now gonna get the 5% withdrawal from that, regardless of what the, what the property is making, depending upon whether it's a, a charitable remainder annuity trust or charitable remainder unit trust. 
Let's assume that I get 50,000. So 50,000 is now coming off. I'm gonna pay tax on that. Let's assume it's the same 30% tax bracket based on the nature of what it is. So I get 35,000 versus 19. That's a little more exciting. But how am I gonna use that $400,000 deduction? So let's say that I have $400,000 sitting in a qualified retirement plan. Couldn't I convert that to a Roth and now pull out Roth income? So now if I have $400,000 sitting in an IRA and I pull out 4%, that's 16,000, that's taxable. If I convert the 400,000 to a Roth and I use the tax deduction so I don't pay any tax, now I get 16,000 tax free. If I do a normal Roth conversion, and I do a $400,000 Roth conversion, I got to come up with, let's say 30, 40%, 30, let's just use 30. I got to come up with 120,000 from somewhere else to, to, to pay that tax. So now I've got this vehicle growing tax-free without a required minimum distribution that I can take money out of that. And then I've got the death benefit that's gonna come in and replace the asset in the charitable remainder trust in the future. When you do the math, if you have the right components, the charitable remainder trust can dramatically increase the income and also pass a substantial amount of assets to your family, but also create tremendous tax benefits. So this is a point in life, I think, where people need to really focus on, you know, we're all charitable. We all like to give away money, but when we give away money, we like to also get for it also. We like to have some benefit. And there's nothing greater than doing, this can be done through colleges, this can be done through your favorite charity. You can create it where it goes to multiple charities. There's many different structures and ways to create it, but the best way to be ready for it is to be set up with the right strategy so that if this makes sense, then you want to do it. When you go and you watch the YouTube video of the history of the tax laws, there was a period where the top marginal tax bracket for 21 years was over 90%. 90%. If, I, if, I, if capital gain rates are 50, 60, 70% 10 years from now, and I have highly appreciated property, which somehow you think if tax rates were high, property may not be high, but let's assume that it is. This math gets a heck of a lot better. So the goal of today was to get you thinking strategically. The goal was to create a conversation of how do I get there? This is something that I really would like to do because I'd like to give a portion of my estate, but I want to give all my money to my kids. And I, more importantly, I don't want these strategies to take away from my enjoyment for my wife and I. I don't want us to have less retirement income because we're giving you know, money to our favorite charity and we're giving money to our favorite uh, you know, children. I'm just kidding, you know, to all your children. But that's what I'm talking about is how do we do this? How do we do this effectively? How do we turn these on? So if you're looking at the 19 sources of, of retirement income and you're going through the steps that I've, that I've laid out here and you're looking at social security, maximizing the social security income that you have, 
understanding when to take your pensions, understanding how interest is going to impact it, ordinary dividends, qualified dividends, tax-free dividend, whole life insurance dividends, capital gain income, business income, royalty income, partnership income, real estate income, reverse mortgage income, annuity income, annuity, you know, guaranteed. We got immediate annuity income. We got it annuity income, Roth income, IRA income, principal paydowns, and charitable remainder trust. And I probably, in my guide, I missed probably five or six others. I want you to think strategically. I want you to get with a qualified advisor to talk about, is this something I should be even thinking about? I mean, you could be selling your business and doing a portion of it. You could be, you know, there's things that you can be doing that can dramatically reduce your income tax liability when you retire and pass more to your family and give you more income. That's the number one game that I'm trying to get to. So if you haven't had a chance to download the 19 sources of retirement income, go to smallwoodassociates.com and you're going to see under the events, there's a 19 sources of retirement income. When you're there, you can download it. We also have a, the nine core principles of navigating financial pressure. We have five ways your wealth under attack book that you can request a free copy. You'll also see a link to It's Your Wealth, Keep It, which is my latest book that's on Amazon. You can purchase that on Amazon or you can get a free chapter, johnlsmallwood.com. Our goal is to provide resources and thinking. Okay. The, the next 15 years in planning requires creative thinking, having lots of flexibility and really getting yourself into a position where can I maximize the income and get this, you know, get the money to my family. I'm really focused on that. Okay. It is super important and it really requires an open mind to think through the options. I appreciate you taking the time today. In addition to those other resources that I mentioned, you can also get a copy of our printed newsletter that comes out every two months. You can sign up for that also. And we'll mail that to you. No subscription cost in the moment. Free, no obligation. All of our stuff is free, no obligation. We do ask for an email address and an address so we can send you additional information about podcasts, et cetera, that are available. If you like the podcast, rate it, share it. That's how we get to be introduced to great people like you that are still listening. And I truly appreciate the time today. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the end of the video. Smallwood Wealth Management is an investment advisor representative. The opinions expressed by Smallwood Wealth Management and guests on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice, information presented for this educational purposes only. Moreover, no listener should assume that any discussions or information presented serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from Smallwood Wealth Management or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer of solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Smallwood Wealth Management is not a law firm or an accounting firm, and no portion of this presentation should be interpreted as legal, accounting, or tax advice. 
Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Thank you for listening.